In this episode, you hear about how a life-changing moment inspired this entrepreneur to start an impact tech company with a mission to inspire millions of people to do small things that together make a huge impact. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs, and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good good for business. Now, here's your host, James McGregor. In today's episode, I'm talking with Joanna Ma, who is the CEO and co-founder of Impactor, an impact tech startup company with a mission to inspire millions of people to do small things that together make a big impact. Prior to becoming an impact entrepreneur, Joanna was an executive at the world's largest energy company and specialized in high-tech product development and value engineering. Joanna is a recognized industry expert in renewable energy and a fierce advocate for equality and social change. In this episode, you'll hear about a life-changing moment that caused Joanna to pivot from a future in aerospace engineering and wind energy technology to become an impact entrepreneur in the digital technology space. Let's check it out. So let's, uh, why don't we kick off and start and why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are? Yes. Hi, James. Well, to describe who I am, I think I'll start with perhaps what I stand for. So yeah, citizen of planet earth. And in that light, you know, at the moment, we really have to stand up for for people and planet uh, and that's climate and equality. And these, these two are very interlinked, which I'll come back for. But in terms of my stance, I'm an optimist and an engineer, so I know what's possible and my motto at the moment is carbon zero by next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that one. That's great. I actually borrowed that from a conference I went to called One Young World, but we can uh, touch on that later. But yeah, I mean, underlying that, you know, our, actually our biggest problem is equality and, and climate change is actually a symptom of these social injustices and inequalities that we have and research shows this. So in that light, I'm a huge crusader uh, yep. for equality justice representation mm-hmm. yeah and i but i also believe in the power of like tiny insignificant actions which may seem small but when done together and many people do them they can affect and create pretty drastic change yeah so personally as i said like optimistic and i i, I believe in a, not just in an idealistic way like we do have everything we need to fix our problems Many of our problems are man-made. They can be unmade. We just have to be a little faster about it before we get over some of those tipping points. Yeah, but technologist as well. I've always had a natural relationship with technology um, and innovation. You know, I sort of started mixing concepts all the way back to when I was doing Lego, you know, getting the pirate ship Lego, getting the castles, getting the space stations, mixing it all up and coming up with my own creations. And I, I kind of have carried that through all of my career. Yeah. And sort of challenging the status quo. That's a little bit the, the crusade, um, always trying to innovate and, and push things forward, never taking no for an answer. That's always things are possible. That's sort of my attitude. And I guess what I'm working on now and, and things that really matter to me is empowerment of, of youth. We've got more pe- young people on the planet than ever before. 
So we're at peak youth. (laughs) This is the most progressive, like transformative, creative, fluid generation with so much potential to move us forward and get us beyond, uh, like to get us on track with some of these negative trajectories that we have. So yeah, empowering a youth-led movement is, is what I'm uh, working on. And But young is also a state of mind as well. <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. necessarily in the young category now, but you can be young even when you're 60. You know, to be young is to be open to ideas uh, and to, you know, let creativity and innovation lead the way. So yeah, I, I guess I described it about my, my characteristics, my mindset to tell you who, a bit about who I am. Yeah, great. And uh, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, that youth aspect, I think it's, so we do a lot of work with uh, sort of incubators and accelerators for the universities. So university students trying to come up with new social impact ideas and they're so open to trying new things. So they don't have that, they haven't learned bad habits, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You know, they they haven't got these false constraints that as you get, uh, that wisdom often brings with it sometimes. Yeah. You think, okay, well, I can't do that because I've never done that before or that's not how you do things, but the world's changed. Exactly. The pre-existing notions not necessarily valued or or given with the youth. So that, yeah, provides a lot of space for for creativity and, and not holding back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us something about yourself that most people may not know about you, even friends. Yeah, I I guess I I can come across with a pretty harsh exterior. You know, I'm very, very driven and very assertive. And I guess in in effect, over over my years of my career, I became sort of a businessman, you know. But in spite of all that, I actually you know, it is an exterior. Like I'm very human at the end of the day. I do stew in emotions long into the night and reflect. And so, yeah, I probably come off quick and and cutthroat in some ways with some of my actions, but underneath it, I am very, you know, deeply reflective on these things and a bit of a a softy (laughs) underneath (laughs) to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, great. Hopefully there's an equilibrium there (laughs) that not everybody sees. Yeah, but I think sometimes when uh, you're trying to solve big problems in the world, you just want to cut to the chase and get on with things. Yeah. I, I have that bad habit. I've often, often referred to sometimes in when we're doing projects as being a bit blunt, but just sort of, I just want to get things going. <laughs> the, the problems are too big to sit around and not make decisions. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So what would you describe as your superpower then? Ooh, that's a tough one. I guess it does speak a bit to that, yeah, getting things done getting past it, not letting failure or mistakes or just to keep moving on um, and not being constrained. And I think coming back to that optimism as well, like foresight, yeah, maybe a bit of Cyclops vision yeah. <laughs> if we were yep. to go superpower, like, yeah, having the foresight and knowing it's possible and just getting on with it to try to get there. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I so when I like that, I obviously stalked you on LinkedIn and different platforms to do a bit, bit of background. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things I think that came through looking at your, you know, some of the stuff you worked on in the past is this challenging rules. Right? Mm-hmm. What, why can't why can't we do something different? Yep. What, why? So, so you know, reading reading what I saw there, I would say that's a superpower in itself. Like challenging the existing way of doing business and the existing way of solving problems to say why why can't we look at a different way of approaching things? Which is a really important skill, I think. That's a great pickup. I, I fully agree. Yeah, I, I think I said I don't always take no for the, at least the first answer. I can ask why five times and then still get a no, but then I'll try to find a way to work around that 
fifth no <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and with the scale of those things, always, when we talk talking sustainability and environmental social impact, I mean, the challenges are so big. I think we need that. Uh, I often describe sustainability, perfect, I mean, we work a lot with sustainability professionals as like the rock reelers of the sustainability world. They're always nipping at people's heels, trying to get them to do things. Uh, and you have to have that, I think, to keep things moving. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's, it's a good superpower to have, I think. Yeah, but also like not having the it's too big attitude like or, or, or perception of of this these especially around sustainability like there's these words used like oh the problems are so complex the problems are so big it's really difficult it's going to be a long transition like those notions they get they get in our way and they become constraining so that's where you come into like well why is it so complex you know and you mentioned nipping at the heels I think getting down to the small details and the small actions uh, and just moving those needles, that can affect the larger change rather than coming at it from, okay, we need to map this huge complex problem. That that can yeah. be, it can cause a bit of paralysis in our action. Yes, there's definitely power in small, small actions, small steps, and they all add up eventually. Indeed. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit about Impactor. So you know, what is it? What does it do? How does it work? How does someone get involved? Yeah. That was actually a perfect segue because it is about small actions. So I guess Impact's ultimate vision is to shift the world's spending to the most trusted, sustainable, social, environmental impact opportunities and outcomes with a focus on those small collective actions and bringing a bit of joy in those actions as well. We need to spark a bit of joy and have a, an optimistic, a positive attitude around sustainability. Like let's have fun while saving the world. <laughs> Yeah. It's a very so, serious topic, sustainability. Like I'm not under any illusion, like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I find that the doomsday scenarios, the problems are so big, that negative narrative just slows us down and it puts people off and they go back to their they just go back to their ways and, and aren't inspired to to take some of these small actions and and make the switch on things. Yeah. So can you can you yeah. give us an example so of you know so who's who's the sort of your customers customers for, yep. for Impactor? No customers yet, uh, just community that we're, we're focusing on. So an example would be like when I said shift the world spending. So people, yeah. a lot of people don't realize it, but their money is super powerful. And the money that we are, people that uh, have, have money uh, I'm talking about. So initially, like let's say the more affluent sections of our society. So where you pay your electricity bill or your energy bill, where you have your savings, in which bank, where is your superannuation, your pension money, your money sitting in those places, which insurance company do you use? Where your money sits is actually being in turn uh, invested in either good or bad, to be blunt about it. They're either going into fossil fuels uh, or they're not. And a lot of people don't realise that their money um, is, is actually going into some of the things that their values are against or their, their personal desires. You know, they want to change some of these things, but they're actually contributing to it without realising. So, yeah, part of that sh shifting the world's spending, you know, it's really to help people move as, a, as one of the things they can do is, you know, switch uh, where their, their money, their hard-earned dollars are being uh, placed and making that easy and making it trusted and just connecting everyday people with these trusted brands, trusted companies, trusted places to, to put their, their resources into to, to create a, to steer things away uh, from where that, that money is currently flowing to. Yeah. And so, so how would that work then? So, so you said you're building a community at the moment. So say I'm a, I'm a, a brand, a company that 
manufactures uh, food goods yep. and yeah we can we we help do a whole lot of social impact work and we're 100 renewable sourced i mean how how, yep. how how does how does impact fit into my world yep sure so we've started what we call an uh, affiliate community so for companies or organizations like you just mentioned we have a join up you know, sign up process. And then we also connect with our expert community or our community of people who have knowledge in various aspects in sustainability. And then we are working on ways to understand because of course, sustainability is not a black and white definition and that needle is continuously moving and evolving. So it's really about like, you know, how genuine is the company, you know, how authentic it's, it's really trying to put all the measures in place to truly have sustainability at the core. And then we want to like promote these companies. So we create sort of a directory and later in the year we're having an app which is really focused on, you know, giving that entry point to the everyday person in mm-hmm. a fun and simple way to connect with these organizations and uh, either become customers or support their campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay, so so you're connecting, I guess, a community of consumers that want to send them, put their money into organizations that are making the world a better place as opposed to making the world a worse place. So. So then how do you guys keep the lights on? What's your business model? So you need resources, you need finances, yep. you need you know, money to actually keep to keep delivering your impact. How, how does that business model work? Yeah. So depending on the business model of the affiliate companies, we will work collaboratively with them. If we bring leads, we bring customers to them and help them grow. Then it's a, it's a win-win. So we'll have a, a model in there of a shared you know, impact will take a small percentage yep. of bringing customers and supporting their growth. So to help our growth and in turn, you know, get more and more community in there and, and help with that exponential growth of these sustainable organizations. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you almost become like the the Airbnb of sustainable business. So you're connecting the, the consumers with, with the suppliers. <laughs> I haven't thought about it that way, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might use that. Yeah. All right, so so let's go back and talk. So so that's where your impactor is today, I guess. Yeah. But what I'm really interested in is going back in time to before impactor existed, and I want to I really want to hear about the origin story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where where were you, and where did the idea for impactor even come from, in the first place? So what was the, what was the problem that you saw that you thought needed yeah. to be solved? Yeah. Okay, well, we can start with the, I guess, the problem that we're solving and I can, I can wind back and yeah. <laughs> it depends how far back you want to go because, you know, there's been a number of key sort of pivotal moments uh, that have led me to where, uh, where I am and where we are. But in terms of that, that problem we want to solve, like first and foremost, it's about, and we, we use uh, a person we know as Sean. So he's 20 years old, digital native, loves social media, and he's becoming a sort of a green, sustainable micro-influencer. He really cares about engaging with sustainable brands, but he's not, you know, protesting, striking. These things are not really for him, even though he cares deeply about the climate, but he's becoming increasingly frustrated. The adult pressures are coming. (laughs) He wants to hold on to his values and he's just not seeing that enough movement is happening around these areas that he cares about. So impact is really that. And Sean's not alone, by the way. You know, there's millions of Sean's in this same boat, um, and they're, they're, they're looking for that gratification, visibility, that, that change is coming. So we're working on a platform that will help Sean effectively. So that's where we are, that's where we are now. But winding back, I guess there was really these three pivotal moments that led to this. So one was 
One Young World, so realising that the keys are in the youth. The next was the first... Well, tell, tell, me, tell, me, tell me about that. What, what was it? You know, what was it about yeah. that event that really sparked sure. this in you? So, you know, I worked in wind energy for 11 years, started in 2008, and I, w- I was very, you know, focused on the climate agenda because of the vision that, that the CEO at the time when I started had created wind on par with oil and gas. You know, at that time it was kind of a bit crazy, um, but I was like, oh, that's awesome. Cool, we could do that. And, you know, seven years later or so we were, we were pretty much there. So I was, I was very focused on that, but towards the last few years it became you know, post GFC and it, it was all starting to become very financially driven uh, and we kind of lost that magic around, hey, what are we actually doing here? We're, we're building renewable energy. It became very much about, you know, cost, benefit, the headcount, stock price. And I, I, I kind of, yeah, I was sort of very focused on that and just in this kind of businessman tunnel mindset there. And I went to this, for, I was invited to this youth forum as being part of a, a talent program. And, you know, I was like, oh, what it? <laughs> I had this attitude, right? It was, oh, I'm, I'm too busy for this. But I got there and it was three days and on, in the airport on arrival, it was in Colombia, in, in Bogota. There's all these, these young people that are all dancing at the arrivals, uh, dressed in traditional dress. And I was like, oh, wow, this is okay. <laughs> and then it was three days of storytelling from people between the age of 18 and 30, from all 190 plus countries in the world, 2,000 people in a room, and it was absolutely earth-shattering for me. Stories that of adversity, horror, but then resilience, invention, possibility, like rising above and overcoming these atrocities uh, and these difficulties to, to move forward. And it was like I... By the end of it, I was literally like feeling sick. Uh, I, I remember the closing ceremony and I was so overwhelmed that I was like, I think I'm going to be sick. Uh, and I went back to the office uh, a few days later and nothing was the same. It was like my world had been turned upside down. I, I couldn't recognise everything around me in this sort of sterile office environment, which was quite negative. It had sort of mm. to... So that was hugely shifting for me and I and I uh, there were 18 year olds there I was 34 at the time I would have walked over hot coals for those people on the spot uh, and then I found myself missing that when I went back to to my work so that was very much a first shift Yeah can you remember a particular story from that event that really stands out oh, Yeah I mean there were the people there's so many flooding through my mind a, a young man sorry but this is really awful he was from Rwanda and he'd seen his parents eaten by yeah I'm not even going I'm not even going to say it so but he had then worked on a, a youth movement to you know overcome this genocide that and like work with people and get them out of the trauma and like most of these young people had created organizations that were bringing people bringing other people forward you know impacting their communities and then there were uh, a young guy who had invented a plug uh, for what could have prevented the BP, the big BP uh, oil spill, you know, he was he was seventeen when when he came up with this. Um, yeah, well. A young man who was in the Forbes top thirty talking about battery storage before it was really the thing that it is today, and I was like, 
just it, it was just it was the whole spectrum of sustainability was also opened up to me as well you know it's not just about climate there's the whole spectrum around equality and representation and a whole multitude of, of aspects yeah so uh very 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 moving uh, and transformative yeah. for me yeah um, yeah opened my eyes they were shut before yeah yeah, and those sorts of moments, you can't you can't unlearn what you some of that once you get that knowledge in your head, and and ignore. Don't unsee that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, how did where did so you know you, you've had this life altering yeah. moment? Where where did impact then come into the story? Two more moments. Um, yeah. My first women in energy conference and getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I was invited to this this Women in Energy conference and it was another aha moment for me. You know, I, I had this, I developed unconscious bias. You know, I've done a lot of research into this ever since this moment, but I again went to that meeting with an attitude problem like, oh, okay, a Women in Energy conference, like what's this about? This is a few years ago, but but not that long ago really in reality. And I had, I was completely knocked off my seat. 25 women in a room, we were in a waste to energy plant, two engineers came in, started presenting the plant and the inquisitiveness, the questions, the content, the substance, the intensity, the discussion, oh, it was so enriching. I was completely blown away and I went again, went back to the office. That was completely missing. I joined a teleconference, a video conference with 20 men and I thought, shit, <laughs> I've been the only like what's going on here I, I've been the only woman in this room for years so that was so those two things really kind of set me on a course to try to bring what was missing into into the workplace effectively and into our strategy and, and just really trying to advance and broaden the perspectives and it just didn't gel I was getting more and more frustrated speaking up becoming empowered uh, and not just kind of towing the line and eventually I was made redundant in my job, which was pretty shattering um, because I was uh, so committed to wind and renewable energy at the time. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I wasn't getting, wasn't, it, uh, we weren't moving the agenda fast enough to what yeah. we could be doing. Uh, so I was sort of set free from that, so to speak, and looking at, how to bring in the, you know, the youth and the, the women's agenda and looking at gender equality and all this under-representation of underrepresented groups. Like all we need is to have these people at the table, part of the decisions that are shaping our world, and we would have a different world. So that's really where Impact first started. I, I like, how am I going to empower these people? What can I do instead of, you know, doing another green energy project? Like, uh, why don't I try to unlock this situation that we have? And I, I started to look for a, a company that might fit those values. But that was a very short-lived exercise. You know, I only looked for a job for a matter of weeks until I realised this just isn't for me. I'm not, I'm not going to another corporate, which is more of the same. And I and I a researcher made a presentation about how women tend they do bring uh, broader sustainable development considerations into their actions, into their uh, decision making. And after that meeting, I just realized after that presentation, it was like, okay, if I can't find a company that values this, the place I want to work, I'm going to create it. That's it. And then from that, I felt adrenaline in my arms and it has never gone away and I haven't stopped since. And that was in October 2018. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, just on that bit of research too. So we uh, we've seen similar research because we do a, basically exclusively in the sustainability area. Yeah, and the more women you have in, we do a lot of workshop and ideation type stuff. Yep. The more women you have in the room, the better the decisions that come out of the workshop. Yep. yep. And, and there's a stack of research that supports it, just because absolutely you get that diversity of thought and you see uh, people see from different perspectives and and it goes across age and, and youth and everything. But the, the mm-hmm. research is pretty clear on the more women you have in the room, the better the decision making that comes absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yep. It's crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody's yeah. looking at it though, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk when we talk about that, yeah. I've been I've been been in a lot of meetings and they've said, okay, is it we've got all these people coming to this workshop? Is there any problem? I said, and I'll, often I'll say. There's a little bit too much testosterone in this list you've just given me. And they look at me like I'm crazy. You know, and <laughs> the evidence is there. So anyway. So, so once you, the science, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> science, it, and it is science. Right? There is yeah. evidence that shows that that's the case. So if you believe in climate change, then you should believe in this science as well. Indeed. So so once so once you got this, you got this sort you know, this adrenaline, you came up with this idea that well, if if, if I can't find what I want, I'm just gonna make it. Yeah. Well, what, what was the very first thing that you did? What was the very next step? Right? Okay. How did you go from, I'm going to do this to, oh, shit, now I actually have to do it? Well, I thought, what's, what are the problems that women are facing in advancing? And I looked very quickly at my last few weeks of experience in putting a CV together, you know, trying to explain what I was capable of instead of describing, you know, roles I'd done 10 years ago, which or my aerospace engineering degree, which was sort of becoming an antique <laughs> by that mm. point. And I thought... I looked at, I was on, on LinkedIn, you know, trying to shape my profile there. And I was like, why don't I just make a, a digital platform that can unlock or remove some of these barriers that, that women face in the job process and in their promotion processes uh, and just help with profile building. So it was kind of like, all right, LinkedIn for women, but why don't I hmm. make that? And then just started ideating different concepts uh, and just really started to look into the digital space as being that, that, uh, powerful tool for re- for mobilizing and you know getting a big reach that's the power of of social media and the digital space is that connectivity and that ability to kind of just penetrate and get a really wide mobilization if you, if you get it right so that's what i've been focusing on is is the the, the digital space for empowerment um, but also looking at yeah i guess behavioral aspects of that and and what makes people do what they do uh, using digital uh, technologies and yeah so since then that's really been been forming it's this this platform that we're working that we continue to work on uh, today yeah. And can you remember the first person you told about your idea and what they thought? The first person was my partner. Yeah. <laughs> she actually, I, I mean, she was happy for me that I'm happy. But she also is kind of a, tr- a traditional person, I guess, grew up in a did, you know, business degree and has a, has a business-focused uh, mindset. So entrepreneurship is not really for her, I guess. Yeah, and then at the time, one of my best friends, you know, after I'd sort of been thinking about this for, for a while, I gave her a call and she was in a similar space in her life. I uh, had been going through some similar experiences. So we, yeah, got together and just started ideating and took it from there. Yeah. And can you, what about the, your first community members? So you started building this community. So I assume you started recruiting people somewhere. Yeah. Tell me about how that came about. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I was building organizations, gathering talent, recruiting. Like this was kind of what I'd been doing in my last few years at, at my previous job. So, okay, I'm building a company. I need to recruit talent. So <laughs> I, I kind of was behaving like I already have a corporation before I actually had one. 
So, you know, I, I put up jobs on, on the job sites, uh, of course, because you were still a startup, you know, they were, they were voluntary basis and some roles could end up into the founding team structure. And the, the amount of people that were interested, like I basically set up an office uh, in my apartment and every person that came through the door was so amped about sustainability. Uh, they'd, they'd faced similar issues. They totally got it. And we, we worked with dozens and dozens of, of people uh, over the, the course uh, of last year. And that, has, that was kind of the catalyst for, for growing the fairly large community that we have today. So many people have, have chipped in and been a part, like literally in the office on the whiteboards uh, or my apartment rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's all just grown from there. Like I'll give you an example. I put a job for a financial analyst, a business analyst and a sustainability analyst, the three jobs at the same time, mm-hmm. in, you know, sort of in, internship sort of related roles. And within a week, I think we had 50 applicants on the sustainability analyst and maybe seven ish on the other two this is in Denmark so of course especially with the younger generation there they've got a lot of like degrees and things in in sustainability but like that was just out of this world I'm like what <laughs> look at all these people that want to chip in so we, we actually created a an impactathon so like kind of like a, an ongoing hackathon where all these people who wanted to be involved in doing some sustainability analysis could chip in and we created some teams and and sort of ran this ongoing hackathon, which was was really amazing. And so we, we've got these deeply committed and people that have been engaged along the way. And then that, that I guess, authenticity is sort of carried through into our brand is attracting people all over the world. Yeah, and so and so when did it when did it more from so you're building this community and people who who see the problem that you're trying to solve, yeah. when did it morph into the impact that you described earlier that is now trying to connect consumer spending with businesses that are doing good? How, how did that where did that transformation happen along yeah, the way? Yeah, so it's I mean yeah we've been ideating a lot along the way, but it's ultimately in the the impact that we want to create. Like we talked a lot about greenwashing and you know corporates that aren't really moving the needle and at the same time we're we're in this community in this ecosystem of startups and smaller medium enterprises that are genuinely like it's in it's already baked into their business model that they will make impactful outcomes so just it was just really through engaging uh, with that community that we realized there's an unfair playing field here particularly on the big social media platforms where it's pay to play right? You need to have a big marketing budget to be able to rise to the top. And that's not the case for many of these more genuine startups and smaller smaller companies who are trying to get that reach and trying to get to mainstream adoption, but they're being knocked out of the way by the bigger by the bigger marketing budgets of other companies, literally. So that was kind of this, this okay, how can we level that playing field and, and how can our platform be the one that is is more regulated on a on a sustainability criteria basis rather than, okay, you just pay and you get the premium advertising spot. We could still have a paid setup, but first mm. and foremost, it's uh, about the sustainable criteria. Yeah, and you've got to, it sounds like you're for, a, for a business who's using Impactor, you've got a highly qualified consumer base effectively. Right. So you, you, don't, you don't need to like spread your message. You know, we, you know, we were talking earlier around you know, the language of sustainability. You don't have to split your language to 
hit the an audience that's not necessarily into sustainability, but you still want to capture that market. Yeah. You've actually got a, a committed sustainable. So your messaging can be right on point all the time. Exactly. The early adopter community is there. The the conscious yeah. conscious, so to speak, community is there. You know, the the all the surveys, all the data shows that uh, people are willing, uh, particularly more skewed to the, the younger generation, to you know change their lifestyles, to be more uh, less, to have less negative uh, impact on on the planet and, and in the various aspects of sustainability. But in spite of that super high majority in the consciousness, the action or that conversion uh, is not entirely there. That's still at a much lower at a much lower number. So there's that gap. Um, of people want to do things but uh, limited, constrained, don't know where to start, don't know what to trust, still go, going about their ways. So it's in that space uh, that we're trying to bring uh, enablement. Yep. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so of course, when you start a new enterprise to save the world, nothing ever goes wrong, right? So, so tell me about some of the – tell me about something that went wrong in that you – know, when you think back on it, you really cringe that I can't believe I did that when you were trying to get, get Impactor up and going. I don't have any cringe around Impactor. My cringes are prior to Impactor, and I, I will mention some of those. You know, like when you when you kind of grow up in a company, like you you get this, you're young, you kind of you're looking for what to follow, you're believing in something. And I had this kind of blind loyalty, and I I didn't have a broad like diverse enough sort of experience to it just let me, I was I was tolerating discrimination I wasn't speaking up you know so as a, as a young person like I, I kind of look back and I, I'm like oh you know why did I do that for so long and and I, I regret not having enough kind of genuine mentors to help me kind of move around and and not have those aha moments too late so to speak I mean it's not too late but I would like to have had them much earlier, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I could have yeah, come with yeah. them earlier. Anyway, but in terms of impact, yeah, no cringe moments, but, you know, as a startup, look, it is hard. The reality of the world is, you know, it's financially driven and pe- people need to have an income, they need to put food on the table. So when you have founders and people working on it, like for a while we're, you know, burning our own runways, spending our savings and, and still not quite, you know, getting there. So that's been the hardest thing. Yeah. And again, like, you know, me trying to create that big corporation from day one, but not having the reality of the, of the funding or the revenue streams from that early stage, that, that's been really difficult. But, you know, I've tried to put this ideal scenario of a value-driven company that's inclusive, it's open, it's fair, it's equal from day one. And that was a very open year I had last year around that, which was so many people involved and hackathons and, but now it's it's three of us as three core founders we still have our community around us but the three of us are getting on with the job right now like we've really scaled down and we need to get to the next stage around the product and then come back to building this ideal corporation that i set out to do that we set out to do in the beginning yeah yeah so i mean the mission is really important right and having that vision is really important but it's not enough on its own yeah that having yeah, I think understanding your business model, and so because we so we do a lot of work with people who are sort of in this space where they're trying to launch an idea or create a new idea, mm-hmm. and they they almost feel like asking for money is a it's it's a cop out. Oh, it's not a cop out. They they're going back to the dark side of the force. All these corporations yeah. are just driven by money, and yeah. if I ask for someone to give me some money, I'm just I'm just being like them again. But you can't deliver the impact without resources, exactly. and whether you like it or not, financial resources are a necessity 
for every impact business uh, that's out there, not regardless of the mission. Yep, I completely agree. And we, you know, we are unapologetic for not being a, a not-for-profit, you know, because we are, we know in our core we are impact-driven and that is our mission, but we, hmm. but we do need those fi- and we will get as many financial resources as we possibly can to make that impact. You know, coming back to what I first was saying in the beginning, you know, money is powerful. That's the reality of where we are today. You know, if if I had a billion dollars, I would use it on this uh, and I would sleep at night knowing that we are trying to make the world a better place uh, and not just building a business to generate more money, get money to build more money. That That's not the point. Otherwise, I'd yeah. just go back to what I was doing before. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But creating, generating the financial capital allows you to deliver on the impact. So which is why the, why the, why the mission becomes so important because then all your decisions around should we pursue this financial opportunity is driven by does that help us achieve the impact or Absolutely. not? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me about how you see, you know, now we've been sort of talking about the past, um, let's look into the future. Where do you see impact in the future? What's, what's the vision at the moment? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, um, supporting this this groundswell, you know, there's this early adopter conscious people who want to take action and make changes, but are struggling to, to, to do so. So yeah, impact really is helping people on a daily basis with these small actions that may seem insignificant, but add it up, make a big impact. So yeah, it's really, we focus on small micro actions. So over the course of the next years through our digital platform, we want to be enabling, you know, millions of these tiny actions that are just everyday people uh, doing everyday things, but create a, you know, a larger change at business level and an industry and, and yeah. So I'll give you an example of that. You know, we're running a campaign that will launch soon called Flick the Switch. And it's simply a matter of changing if you if you can afford it because there is a slight extra cost uh, which is coming down. But green power in a, look in Australia, there's there's sort of 10 million accounts, people paying electricity bills, energy bills, and they, they just don't realise that the, that money is going to a fossil fuel portfolio. And there are a lot of people that can and would switch to a green power solution if they knew, you know, we've been doing some surveys on this. So this campaign is really just to get people to flick the switch. Like, and it emerged around the bush, when the bushfires were occurring around Christmas and I was looking into it and I'm like, dad, what what power company are you with? I'm not going to mention it now, but, you know, looking at it, I'm like, oh man, we need to change. Like, let's, let's flick the switch. We took a couple of minutes and it was there I realized that you can get a lot of people in a matter of minutes flicking the switch to a green Mm power option or service or changing their provider entirely and there's so much potential there and people and no customers no company so (laughs) you know customers have a lot of power here on the energy space Mm -hmm. um so that's one of our initial focuses so you know as in terms of a vision like you know millions of people thousands of people flicking the switch just changing 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 uh and that adding up to one hell of an impact and you know creating that extra demand um for 100 renewable i I could imagine that would terrify some sales or execs in some of these companies (laughs) i just i actually think that's a really cool idea if you know if you could get a whole Big bunch of consumers changing their retail energy contracts to a renewable source yeah. within like a one-hour window. Like all of a sudden, forty thousand yeah. customers have just switched. It's like the big Earth yeah. Hour, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Turn yeah. Off the power for an hour. Well, don't even spend yeah. an hour. Just spend five minutes switching to green yeah. power or switching right. to provider. 
Yeah, yeah jump and, jump online, show them how to go find the comparison and, sites, how to pick one, how to click this, and you're done. You know, there were yeah. three hundred thousand climate strikers in one of the bigger ones late last year. You know, they've got parents, they've got neighbours, they've got uncles. They can switch a million people if they switch three each. So yeah. it's like this is possible uh, and yeah. we, this is what we're working towards. And yeah. it's, it's not to terrify, you know, company execs. You have an opportunity to be part of this or not. Like yeah. green is winning. Um, yeah, yeah. So get on the train or you're going to be left behind. Uh, it's really that simple. Like the opportunity is is right there in front of you to make the move. You're just not doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 One of my favorite quotes about, you know, these impact startups is or even just startups in general with big companies is, you know, the, the big, these small startups aren't coming to disrupt your business model. You're just collateral damage <laughs> of, of not being on the right trend and green yeah. power is the same yeah. thing, right? You know, these, all these all these green companies aren't trying to disrupt the, in this, the energy industry. Uh, the energy industry is just collateral damage for not keeping up with yeah. the, you know, the needs of consumers and all the, uh, the environment. Yeah. I, I try not to think, you know, like a dis- to use the word disrupt or, or break or, you know, it's too, it's too negative. But what, like it's a bit like what I said before, you know, the five whys and you keep getting a no and then I go around. Like if the, some of the, it's about what's in the way, you know, and there is deliberate things being put in the way. So we'll either go around it or it will have to be, broken because we need the outcome that's behind the, that wall uh, yeah. that's being put up. You know, th- these incumbents are deliberately withholding, and we're talking about energy now, but uh, this new energy reality, you know, they're turning it into an endless transition when, yeah. in fact, it could be yeah. carbon zero by next Wednesday. <laughs> Give us the chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so if there was someone listening out there right now that has been inspired by hearing your story or they've had this idea to hear around or they're working for a company and they're, feeling a bit disillusioned, what's one piece of advice you give to someone like that? Yeah, if you're feeling disillusioned, change your situation. Don't push uphill for too long or try to change the people around you. There's 8 billion people in the world. Many of them think differently. So if you can, change your situation. Don't be frustrated. There's many amazing organisations, groups, companies that are forming Yeah, get, get involved and don't be, don't be held back by negativity that's around you. Yeah, cool. And if people wanted to learn more about Impactor or to get in touch, what's the best way for them to connect? www.impactor.world. And Impactor doesn't have an E at the end, so just check the spelling there. We're humans. We're super open. We've got a newsletter series now where we keep people up to date and how they can get involved. So, yeah, jump in. Right. And, and, and you're looking for consumers and companies that, you know, that those early adopters that are trying to do good things in the world, you're looking for both? Yeah, I've, I've never liked the word consumer, I have to say. It just sort of like categorizes people in a way. And plus, like we have more of a buy less, buy better kind of mindset. You know, consumerism mm-hmm. is really one of the problems. So I, I just, it's everyday people, you know, everyone who maybe is either casually interested or wants to know more or like, we've got the, you know, the hardcore <laughs> sustainability pioneers are all there with us. But, so we're trying to be more approachable for uh, the everyday person who, you know, we don't want to be too intimidating, right? Like, oh, a lot of people are like, yeah. I don't understand sustainability. I don't understand climate change. It's all too much for me. So we're, we're being more approachable uh, in that sense. So everyday people and connecting those with the trusted trusted organisations they can engage uh, so, Yeah. No, so good people and good businesses. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know that's so, why I'm a good business podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So, so what would you like people to do after they've heard your story? Flick the switch. 
Flick the switch. Take this one action you can do. Just go and have a look at your electricity plan, uh, switch to green power today. We'll actually have a website soon that can help you with that, that will be, you know, trusted and sort of verified. If you're already on a green power plan, then help someone else. If you're a student, you don't pay an electricity bill, but your parents do, help them switch. So flick the switch. Um, Let's get as many people to do that as possible. That will make a big dent. Awesome. Here, here. All right. So let's let's wrap up with what we call our mad minute, which is uh, meant to be five rapid fire questions in 60 seconds. So let's go. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Print a business card with only my name on it and nothing else. Johanna Ma. <laughs> what was the what's the driver behind that advice? I was struggling after I was fired. I was struggling to, I'd been introducing myself on behalf of the company I represented for 10 years, you know, and and now I'm going to these conferences. What do I, who am I? (laughs) And this, this, this coach I had at the time, which she was amazing. She just said, Jahanama, you are Jahanama, put that on your business card and hand it to people. And that was the most empowering thing that's ever happened to me. It was amazing. So yeah. Great one. I like that one. (laughs) All right. So what's your favorite business book? I'm hoping it's going to be How to Save the World by Katie Patrick uh, mm-hmm. once it gets delivered. <laughs> There's some delays due to COVID. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen her uh, on LinkedIn uh, yeah. talking about it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Creative. So you, you pre-ordered, have you? It's, I have it's on its way. Yep, yep. Yeah, great. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to get a copy as well. Uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A warrior. A warrior? Yeah. Really? I used to draw, draw swords and... Different, that was kind of medieval, but then there was superpowers. I played Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons with my older cousins and family friends. So, yeah, that was sort of formative, I guess. Um, yeah, well, that's where the fighting spirit comes from, eh? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite quote? You're never too young to lead and you're never too old to learn. And that was said by the late Kofi Annan, the former UN Secretary General at One Young World in 2017. Nice. And if you could go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? Yeah, I guess 17 years ago is not a relevant context today, but I would give a 20-year-old me today this advice. Don't get stuck in the hamster wheel doing time for someone else's gain or greed. And you are more creative, more powerful than ever. So use it to help us old ones. With what to do? Help us! Help us! Flick, help us flick the switch. Flick <laughs> the switch. And you reckon you would have uh, done the five whys on yourself? Ooh, yeah. Do the five. Well, why, why, why should I do that? Why should I do that? Why I, should I I've do actually that? someone did that to me about Impactor. Why are you doing Impactor? Why? But why? But yeah. why? But why? And when you get down to it, you know, well, I need to help people. We need to help sustainable brands. We need equality. Why? We need to fix the climate. Why? You know, you can get down to the bottom there, and the word. The only th- the, the most fundamental thing was because it's it's humanity. Hmm. There really yeah, is no other way to at the bottom of all the whys. That is the word Ubuntu in South African humanity. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of the the five whys is like one of the most powerful techniques we use it all the time. Do when you, people go, oh, I want to start this business and uh, we want to sell this. Well, why do you want to do that? 
I just got to yeah, wah, 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 and eventually get to the guts of it. Well, because I think you think it's the right thing to do, and I, I believe in it, and we, we yeah, need it. Got this there it is. Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, that's the reason you're doing it, and you're not doing it because they usually start off on make money and sell stuff or yeah, you know, become a billionaire. Actually, well, why do you want to do that? And why do you want to do that? And when you actually hit the bottom, actually, it's not become a billionaire. It's not what they want. It's actually some other driver exactly. that's underpinning it. And then that's what that's what you need to tell people about because that's why people will buy your product because they'll they buy what you do, not what not um, what you sell. So, so yeah, yeah. Here, here. So yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's wow. uh, I love the story. I can't wait to see where you guys go uh, in the future. And yeah, so everyone out listening, yeah, make sure you go and check out Impactors website and definitely click the switch. So thanks for joining us on the Good Business Podcast. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate right. it. Make sure you go and check out Impactor's website, which is at impactor, I-M-P-A-C-T-R, dot world. Now, while we're on the topic of websites, if you haven't checked out the great resources available on our website, which include free downloadable worksheets and guides to help you build your own impact business, then head over to www.bluetribe.co forward slash podcast. If you like today's episode, make sure you click that like and subscribe button and also tell a friend about the podcast so they can get some inspiration from great businesses doing great things. Coming up in the next episode. Alcohol is great at extracting flavors out of things. The process of making alcohol produces a whole heap of chemicals that add complexity and flavor and body and mouthfeel. And so it's actually really tricky to create something without using alcohol in the process or using alcohol as the starting point. And so that's the, I guess, where the science background has come in for me between the the chemistry and then the plant biology in terms of really having that focus on flavors coming from plants. In the next episode, this impact entrepreneur is using her science skills to reinvent methods used in traditional alcohol production, creating innovative zero-proof craft cocktails. Well, that's it for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. I'm James McGregor. Until next time.